welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and this week has been a lot of fun so far. I'm actually on vacation in San Diego. It's the first time I've ever been down here, and it's great. It's a really fun city, and I had the opportunity to go to the San Diego Zoo, which is phenomenal. It is such a wonderful zoo. They have bus tours, they have a gondola that goes across the entire park, and my favorite exhibit of all was the hippo exhibit. They have a mama hippo and a baby hippo, and they have this giant tank. It's like a hippo aquarium. It is so cool, and you just get to see them be majestic and swim around and trot around underwater. They are surprisingly agile and fast underwater. It is such a fun sight to behold. The baby hippo is so cute. Got to see the tapers. They're awesome. So it's just a wonderful zoo. They do a lot of good conservation, so that's been a lot of fun. And I saw Captain America's Civil War, which is a great movie. That movie is so great. Team Cap all the way, although I must say I totally understand Tony Stark's point of view. It's a good point of view, but I am for Captain America. It's such a good movie. The special effects are great. The story's great. The cinematography is great. The action sequences are great. The acting's great. Lighting, sound, that whole movie is great. So kudos to everybody at Disney and the myriad of special effects teams that worked on that film. There are so many VFX houses that worked on it. So good job to everybody in VFX. If you haven't seen it yet, go see this movie. It's really cool. And speaking of cool, my guest on today's episode, episode 13 of the podcast, is Pat Marconet. Pat is a layout and background designer for Disney Television Animation. Currently, he's working on Sophia the First. And we had such a wonderful conversation that I actually split it into two parts. So today is part one of the interview with Pat, and then next week will be part two. Pat has a really interesting story about how he got involved with animation, how he got to art school, and how he eventually got the job that he is currently at now. I know that all of you are going to enjoy hearing what he has to say, so without further ado, on with the show. My guest today is Pat Marknett, and Pat has done a lot of really, really awesome things. He's worked for PDI, he's worked for Big Idea, and now he's over at Disney Animation, where he's a layout and background artist working on Sophia the First. Pat, thank you very much for being on the program today. Thanks for having me on. You have a lot of stories, and I'm interested in hearing all of your stories. So let's go back to the beginning here. I know that you grew up in the Bay Area, which is a great place. And your family actually is a family of engineers, and you started off wanting to do programming and whatnot. So I want to know if you could talk more about that. Yeah, both my dad and my brother are engineers, and so I grew up knowing how to knowing the basics of programming when I was like fourth or fifth grade. And so I definitely was thinking that that, that track made the most sense. And then I slowly just, I realized that the funnest part of the, the stuff I was making was coming up with the art. So at some point I'm, I just kind of said, well, why don't I just do the fun part? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. And what, what about the art did you like, did that come from watching like a lot of movies and television shows or reading comics or was it just 
you and your own imagination creating things. Just, well, I wanted to make games. I don't even know where what I was being inspired by at the time. <laughs> but I just, it's like, I know I need to figure out how to draw this this guy so that I can animate him and make him move across the screen. And I, I hadn't even gotten there, like, in terms of how to be inspired by something or how to look or that you need to know how to draw. It didn't even occur to me at okay. the time. Cause it was just more, this is what I want to do, so I want to figure out a way to do it. Yeah, exactly. That's smart. So then... Getting into high school then, did you take programming classes and art classes in high school as well, or...? Nah, they didn't exist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and around, let's say, freshman year, I started getting into doing, like, videography type stuff. So I was doing, like, special effects and filming stuff all the time, and anytime there was a school project, I'd, I'd do, like, a video report, and I really had fun doing the editing and doing special effects, or just... Anything involving film was really fascinating to me. So it kind of kept morphing and morphing. Uh, I was the the school photographer for the the newspaper. For, oh, that's great. For a year, I think it was. So then I was in the darkroom, and I was able to do that because I took a photography class at a... You probably know Cabrillo, if you're from mm. the area. I went to school in the Bay Area, and I'm actually from okay. Texas, so, okay. yeah. So every time I, I, like, meet people from the Bay Area, they tell me about things, I'm like, all right, I know something else now, <laughs> I've learned a new thing. Yeah, it's, it's just a junior college, but oh, okay. while I was in high school, I was able to take classes, and so I was able, I took a photography class and learned the darkroom, and then when I came back, it was like, well, I already know how to use a darkroom, so... <laughs> and they still had a darkroom, surprisingly. Yeah, my high school did too. I don't know if they still do, but at the time they did, so that was a lot of fun, getting to develop all your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, you always smell like chemicals. Yeah, <laughs> if your hands smell kind of weird, and you kind of wonder, will this have any long-lasting effects? Oh, well, it still looks cool. All right, we'll deal with it later. But I think photography is a really great step for people, because you don't have to worry about how to draw. All you're worrying about is looking through the picture the viewfinder mm -hmm. and trying to compose your images. So I think that definitely helped me just start to get the idea of how images are composed and things to look for, things to avoid. So, cause when I took photography, I didn't know how to draw at all. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine that that helps you out now. Cause I've seen your work that you're currently doing on Sophia and the compositions are great. And so it's definitely, it's not just the fact that you know how to draw really well, but you know, where things should be placed and why they should be placed, which I think sometimes people don't really think about that. They just think, I want to make this look really pretty, but they're not thinking about, mm -hmm. but why does it need to look this way? And what angle should I be drawing this at? And what's the character going to be, you know, how are they going to interact with this kind of environment? Yeah, well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, I like to try to, I like to think of myself as somebody who's good at composing images, and that should come first, because if you just put, just put details on, even if it's well drawn, if it's not composed or there's not a reason for it, it just starts to fall fall flat. Yeah, and we'll get into that too, because I'm sure that you have suggestions. <laughs> I'm sure that at this point you probably have looked at your share portfolios, so we'll get into how to do all of that. But I wanted to talk to you as well about high school, because you and I, it sounds like we had a similar high school art experience in that our art classes in high school were not the best 
Oh, but yeah. I'm very <laughs> impressed that you continued with art. So I wanted to find out what right. happened and what led you to realize I should still do this in spite of all that other stuff. My high school art classes at SoCal High, <laughs> Santa Cruz County, um, were so bad that I couldn't take art classes for, it took me a while. Like I, I, it didn't discourage me from wanting to do art, but it discouraged me from wanting to take art classes. Mm. It wasn't until towards, well, besides the photography class, towards the end of my uh, junior college time that I actually was like, well, all right, I guess better start, I want to do <laughs> animation, I better start taking art classes. So, and looking back, it's like, why? It's not like we were going to create anything good. Mm -hmm. their, their one job should have just been to like inspire people and see if it was something they wanted to do. Was it the projects that they were having you do that weren't very teachers. good? Or, oh, just, just a general chip, chip attitude. On their shoulder. I think they oh they wanted to be artists and they maybe couldn't. Oh, okay, <laughs> they couldn't pull it off, so mm -hmm. they were just kind of not all of them, but the, some the ones that I I landed with just seemed like bitter art teachers. Yeah, ours used to. She had a couch in her office, and frequently she would give us an assignment and then go and lay on the couch and we wouldn't see her for the duration of class it was it was strange it was a very strange experience and i was like you know, i was like i'll just read a bunch of books and just practice on my own because this is kind of strange and i mean i have to be fair at the time i was a terrible student so i probably like didn't show up for half the classes and oh, like no. skip steps and tried to like oh here but were you just out like i'm just not going to come to school and just out and about or just hanging out in the hall. Well, like, what would, are you doing? I just, I don't like to wake up. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I would be late a lot. So. Oh no. <laughs> and I think my art class was in the morning, which art in the morning sounds like a terrible idea. But that's what you're doing now. <laughs> like now you're. Why well, I, I don't come to work till ten. Oh so. okay. So it's not quite morning. No, I mean like. I think it was like a first period. Oh, so that would have been seven or eight. Yeah, in the that would have been like a seven seven thirty in the morning class. Yeah, and I was I've always been a night owl, so I would always just come in super tired, and it's mm -hmm. like, and it's you ever have those art classes where it's cold in the room, and the idea of like touching paint or touching like oh. like I think we were building masks out of um, newspaper and some kind of. Laundry detergent? I don't know what they did. Oh, you're doing like, like paper mache? Yeah, that kind of like, stuff. And your oh, fingers, but that stuff in the... Yeah, oh, that's, you're like, oh, it's that's too, gross. Like, oh, it's, it's, so... it's too cold to have my fingers oh, soaking in goo. I mean, that stuff's already disgusting anyway, because it's yeah. really goopy, but to have to deal with that in the morning when it's... Oh, that sounds awful. So, that's my excuse. Yeah. <laughs> See, so you're, you're like a walking example of just because something happened in the past that's not good doesn't mean that you can't... <laughs> rise above it like the phoenix and do really cool <laughs> stuff so all right so then so you get out of high school in that terrible scene mm -hmm. you're taking your junior college classes realizing you need to get better so then then what happens well even before okay so let's step back a little bit i was in high school i was doing these video projects i thought that's what i wanted to do cinematography or something in that direction and just on a whim we did a um, Lord of the Flies oh, no. project. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to animate this. I don't know anything about animation, but it just sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. And so I was using Microsoft Paint, and I was mm -hmm. like with a mouse drawing each frame. 
and then save it and save as a new file and like slightly change it and then mm -hmm. save that. And I did a like three minute animation. I'm sure it was like four frames a second type of a thing. No, but the fact that you did that <laughs> in MS Paint, I mean, that's really impressive. That's, then, that's not the easiest program. And then I put it together like in Premiere or something. I put some sound to it and the drawings are beyond terrible. But <laughs> when I put it all together, it was so fun to be able to not have to go... <laughs> This, this is gonna make me sound horrible. Not have to go outside. Like, <laughs> I can just lock, like lock myself self away in my cave and mm -hmm. just like plot away and work on it and be up all night doing it and have a finished product and with very little uh, input or help from anybody. <laughs> do it all on my own. Don't have to worry about anybody else. And it was a lot of fun. How long did it take you to do? I think it was like a couple weeks. Okay. I probably didn't do much other homework that I should have. <laughs> so for a couple weeks ago, like you were you were a hermit in your cave, your little hobbit hole, doing your thing, yes. you get it done, and you realized, all right. Yes. I passed high school. Oh, there you go. I passed high you school. passed C, so that <laughs> I, that is great. I graduated. You graduated. You're like, I, I made it, I'm done, I never have to come back <laughs> <laughs> on my own terms. <laughs> that is fantastic. I'm I think I'm still this way where Whatever I do, I'm, I have to be passionate about. So the classes I like, I really like history. I like, I like art. So the classes I'd be passionate about, like I'd put everything into them and everything else I put the absolute minimum. <laughs> so, so it wasn't like I didn't care. I, I always liked learning, but it was, mm -hmm. it had to be on my terms. Okay. And I think in college I, I got over that. <laughs> yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And that's, I don't think that that's unusual mm. especially for people who go into the arts or some kind of performing type career you yeah. know there's I think a lot of people from a very young age have this idea in their head of this is the direction I'm gonna go and they're able to separate everything else away and it's like if that's not part of what I want to do no we're not even gonna bother with it you know yeah which I think it ultimately can, can be okay and he passed high school and yeah. that's what matters. You, know, you got out of school. So maybe yeah. you do what you need to do. Yeah. And then, um, oh yeah, so I think I, that doing that film was like the turning point of like, I want to do animation. Mm -hmm. And so I just started buying up books on, because there weren't classes. Like nobody knew about animation uh, in Santa Cruz <laughs> that, I, that I ever came across. Uh, there weren't classes at the community college. There weren't, definitely weren't classes in the high school. The, the art teachers didn't, didn't, all they could, I th they directed me to sitting in on some lecture at some school in San Francisco that was kind of a waste of time. That, that was about <laughs> the, the most they could help me. Mm -hmm. And our library was all outdated, so they didn't really have any books. Oh, man. But so I just started, I just went on Amazon and just started buying up animation books. Was there, were there any in particular that you just felt like? This is really helpful. This is what's gonna like propel me forward. There's one here actually. <laughs> oh, it's right it? here. All right. Let me see if I can pull it out. There it is. I've only read this once. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Animation from script to screen. By oh, the Seamus Calvin. Yeah, this book is great. Yeah, I checked this out at the library, and your copy is really nice. The copy I had was like. <laughs> Really old and musty smelling, but it was kind of amazing. Yeah, this book is good. I don't remember much from it. I remember him, he worked on The Seven Dwarfs. But I do remember leaving 
with the impression that animation is really, really hard and you have to be able to draw really well before you can even think about animation. Because mm -hmm. I, I was coming at it more from like how an engineer would think about animation of like, oh, what program do I need? How do I make things move? Not, oh, you need to be like a competent fine artist before you ever think about making things move. And so I think that book was like, okay, I need to, I was in, I was at the junior college and it's like, all right, I need to start taking art classes, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> smart. Yeah, what I liked about his book was he talked about doing like one hour exercises every morning and just like drawing like little stick figures, but having them do like different actions and just drawing as many of them as you can in a one hour period and just doing that every single day oh, that's cool and at first you're like oh that's not gonna be that bad and after like the fourth day you're like this is actually kind of hard to start thinking of brand new poses every single time hmm. so yeah so that is that was an excellent book and he passed away last year which is which is sad oh but, did he yeah but it's a good book all right so you got all your books you started reading you realized i need to improve my draftsmanship skills yeah so was that then what led you over to san jose state Oh, uh, well, that got me started taking classes, and then I was kind of teetering back between, like, trying to be a teach teacher and mm -hmm. teaching history. Oh, really? And doing animation. But I have a terrible memory. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like I, I would take classes, not, I wouldn't repeat them, but, like, I'd know everything, and then by the end of the semester, it's like, I'd forget most of the... Oh no! <laughs> the detail, and then I take a, a, the next class that like some of it overlapped, and we go over the same information. And then by then, I would just I would just forget things. So so then at that point, you're like, I'm just gonna make up facts about various <laughs> you know time periods and wars and states, and just kind of see what's going on. Yeah, so it's like, well, let's let's leave that as a hobby. <laughs> all right. So, but I, I still like right now. I'm reading uh, all the biographies of like the 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 framing. Fathers of the Constitution. Oh, so. really? Oh, that's cool. Do you have a favorite person? I'm reading about uh, James Madison right now. He's he's pretty fascinating. Cool. What, so. What's what's the most fascinating thing that you've heard about from him from all your readings now? He was kind of socially inept and like had crushing anxiety. Oh, really? But and his way of overcoming it was to be like overly analytical about everything and like have steps for how he approaches everything he does. Mm -hmm. So I, I found that, that pretty fascinating, just how he overcame his his issues. That's smart. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. If you know, if that's your struggle, just like, I'm just going to approach it one step at a time that I can focus on, like, each and every step. Yeah. You know, like some kind of program for yourself. Yeah. So, or like, um, somebody turned me on to the Hamilton play oh i heard that was the good play and that was that was really cool and i read his biography too and it's really cool but it's like i i didn't identify with him <laughs> <laughs> why what, what why not like he's just, was... he was just so intense like he's just in uh... your face like this is what i think this is why you're wrong you know and that's like yeah that, that's not me <laughs> you're like I'm, you're more of a oh, he's like that's your opinion okay i'll sit in the that's corner cool. and like dwell over it and <laughs> think about it for a while and then come back <laughs> yeah it's like that. I think that can be the wise thing, though. Like, it's good to some. I think sometimes people jump in. I mean, it's good to jump in, but it's also good sometimes to kind of take a step back and really think about it because yeah. then you have time to process, like yeah. what's happening, where they're coming from, what you want to say, 
Yeah. You know, just just give yourself a moment. Yeah. Okay, and then we... <laughs> okay, that's okay. Sorry. That's so, no, no, uh, tangents are fine. Anyway, anyway. so yeah, so then I decided I wanted to do animation. And so then I was buying all the books, doing that. And then when I got towards the end, well, initially I thought uh, I'd go to Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. UC Santa Cruz, and they had a digital arts major and they had a class in animation. But the more I researched it, the more I realized it was just like art history and very little actually hands-on training. And I think probably from all the books I kind of picked up like, no, you need to go to a school where they're going to teach you how to draw. Like, I don't know how to draw. I can read history books. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to pay tons of money to, to learn about history yeah, or theory. Yeah. So, and so then I looked at the Academy of Art. Mm-hmm. Which, That's where I went. Yeah. yeah, and I looked at the price tag. Yeah, it's it's uh, paying off those student loans now. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, the amount of money it was going to cost was just insane. And so I just did a search for any school that did animation that I could find that wasn't absorbently expensive. And I came across San Jose State, and they had a very similar approach and curriculum in terms of like... You learn life drawing, you learn painting, you actually, they, they, they work you up, you learn how to draw, you learn how to paint, you learn mm-hmm. how to design, you learn how to animate. You may take a couple theory and history classes, but it, that's not the point of the major. And it's a state school, so I went for it. All right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, and I've heard that school is tough, because I interviewed a friend that went to that school as well, and he was saying it's almost like a, from his... A, you know, how he talked about, it's almost like boot camp. Like you go and they're like, all right, this is what you're going to learn and you're going to learn it. And it's going to be really difficult. But when you get out, you will be proficient. So was it that way for you? Like, was it a really tough experience? Yeah, they're, they, they live by the philosophy of boot camp or they they break you down to nothing and then they build you back up again. Cause I think this is pretty common. Like you're drawing on and off throughout your life. And you think you know how to draw, but a lot of times you've learned the wrong ways. You've learned bad habits. So sometimes you need somebody to break you down and go to nothing to then go, okay, now this is literally, this is how you hold a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you probably have the that. same thing. We yeah. have here's how to hold. I'm like, oh, I've been holding a pencil wrong my entire life. Who knew? <laughs> or uh, we had a class with a professor named John Clapp. And his class was amazing because... The assignments we did, I had done several times in other classes. It was like, do a blind contour, do a charcoal rendering, all these things that on the surface seem kind of beneath you. But he'd explain exactly why you're doing it. And the, you, know, like, you need to think about this while you're doing this. And the, and the, the result of the piece is, doesn't matter. It's just it's like what you're learning while you're doing it. So I think... That was kind of the mentality of a lot of the classes of like, what's the thought process behind it? Mm-hmm. And that's what makes you accelerate because you're, you're not just blindly making the same bad habits. You're doing it the correct way. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder why every other art teacher you've had is like, they didn't understand. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> why didn't they teach me this? And you're right. They, they may not have known. Yeah. May not, it may have never occurred to them. This is why you're doing this. This mm-hmm. is why we need to teach it this way. Yeah, so he was a really great teacher. And I felt like all the teachers there, they had some kind of connection to being professional artists, which I didn't get before. So it's like they were either 
you know, illustrators or the head of the department, Bunny Alice, or she goes by Bunny, but Alice Carter. Um, I think she worked on like the original Star Wars Whoa. concepts and, and some of the early ILM stuff. So like, you felt like everybody there could, could offer something. And because of that, you could trust them. And if they tell you to do something that seems silly, you're like, well, all right, let's, yeah, let's like, give it a shot. You worked on Star Wars. You know what you're talking yeah. about. I'll try this. Let's yeah. see how it goes. But it was a tough program, and it's only gotten harder. When I got in, nobody knew about it. It had been around for almost 10 years, I, th I think, when I started. But like people hadn't started getting into the really big studios yet, so most of the people I knew who were going there to do animation, didn't know there was an animation program at San Jose State. Really? They just like were at San Jose State and they're like, what should I do? And they took... Oh, they, wow. So they didn't, they didn't advertise the program or people just didn't think to look for the program? I think, I feel like the program is mainly word to mouth. Mm. Like they don't have the budget to do advertising. And so at that time, yeah, most people, most classmates I had just... They decided they wanted to do the animation program after sitting in on a, an intro class where they you get like every week's like a new professor from a different department and they give like a little spiel. Yeah, most that's how most people found it. I actually was one of the few people I felt who actually like researched it and was like, I'm coming here for animation. Mm -hmm. I don't care about anything else. I only want to take the classes that I need. Yeah. Now it's like people from all over the world trying to get in. Wow. And I've heard that um, you pretty much need a 4.0 just because that's how the university weeds people out. Like they don't know any other way. Oh my gosh. So, so it, like if I were to do it now, I don't know if I could get in. <laughs> wow. I'm glad that you were able to get in. That's impressive. <laughs> yes. I think I, I the timing was, was good. <laughs> Sounds good. So while you were there, did you get your internships while you were in school, or did that happen after you had graduated? Both. Okay. <laughs> the first one was at PDI DreamWorks. That was the year before my final year, and I had a friend who, who was doing the same internship. She recommended me, and they were recommended by another sound. It was kind of just a long string of, of people recommending okay. people. And so that's how I, I got into doing the internship at DreamWorks. But I ended up sticking around and doing two of them. Oh, good for you. Were they the same type of internship or were you doing different things? It, yeah, it was the same department. It was the outreach recruiting department. So it wasn't doing art. It was doing a lot of spreadsheets and updating their website and looking through databases of of where employees uh, went to school and to figure mm. out which departments or which schools they should focus their energies on. A lot of stuff like that. Okay, so but it was like a HR recruiting type internship? Yeah, it was, it was recruiting for college, basically. But being there, you had access to everybody, so I could talk to the, uh, the art department all the time, and mm -hmm. they had classes we could take, and just getting a sense for the actual studio environment was huge for me. Because when I was in college, you get the impression that everybody in the studio is an artist. And then you get to the studio and you realize that not that many people are actually artists. Yeah, like, it's only about like a fourth. It's like an army of like production crew that, that make everything possible mm -hmm. and, and hold apartments that just make sure that 
everybody has coffee and things are clean and the chairs are pulled out for figure drawing and mm -hmm. boards are pinned up for presentations. Like there's a whole underworking that you don't hear about in school. So that was like a big eye opener. It's like, oh, well, DreamWorks employs all these people, but only a handful actually are doing biz dev, <laughs> you know? But so it's definitely cool to get a taste for what it was really, really like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what, what were some of the other things that you learned while you were there? Um, oh, another great thing to learn was that this may sound obvious, but people working there were just normal people. Yeah, that's, like, that's a huge one. <laughs> I think it's so easy to put them on a pedestal. And I was kind of relieved when I got into the studio to realize that like, oh, everybody's not, everybody's different. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a normal subset of people. Mm -hmm. There's quiet people. There's really like outgoing people. It's just. Yeah, that, that's a huge one. And I, I agree with you because that's how it was at my internship. Because you grow up watching everybody on like behind the scenes DVD extras and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And so when you see them in person, you're like, how's it going to be? And you realize they're people. Yeah. And this is where they work. And they're going to work and then they go home. Yeah. And then they come back to work. Yeah. You know, they're, they're nice and normal people. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So to a certain extent, it's, it's a job. Yeah, it is a job. It's just a... I think it's because it's just... Because it's an entertainment and because they're very well known. Like I imagine maybe it's the same way if you're really into, I don't know, like my dad worked for like an oil field chemical company. So he'd go to conferences all the time. So I'm sure that in the petrochemical world, there are the rock stars mm -hmm. of petrochemicals, maybe, you know, that we don't know about. So I imagine for any industry, they're the people that you really admire. And once you're there, you realize, oh, they're just people. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> uh, I also realized that my skills weren't anywhere in the ballpark where they needed to be. Ooh. And was that a helpful realization or was it like a, like a stake through the heart kind of situation? I, I think I probably knew that already, but I also, now every studio is different, but DreamWorks in particular, if you get in as a PA, it's really tough for them ever to really see you as an artist. You kind of, even, I've even heard stories about people get in as map painters and they want to do viz dev and it's really tough for them to even make that kind of leap. Wow. So kind of the advice that I got was like, well, first of all, the people, my bosses were trying to push, because my bosses were trying to push me into doing more technical web stuff because I already had a little bit of a background with it. I was able to like, program their website and do all this kind of stuff that they weren't expecting. And so they were like, oh, you're not really an artist. We think you're more of a techie. Like, no. <laughs> like, That's what I'm trying to get away from. <laughs> and so this is the illusion that, oh, I get my foot in the door and slowly work, work my way up. And, you know, five years down the line, I'm going to be an artist. It's like, it didn't seem like that was probably reasonable. It wasn't impossible. Mm -hmm. There were people who did that, but it was kind of the exception. And so that kind of encouraged me to leave after that. They actually offered me some some contract work helping out the, their department. But I was advised by artists to just like kind of run away unless they want to <laughs> offer you an art job. Politely decline, you know, like, thank you, but I'm going to go yeah. and do this instead. Yeah. So that was kind of a learning experience. 
at the same time, that's why I interned at Nickelodeon. Oh, okay. During my interview, I brought that up. I'm like, I'm like hypothetically, you know, if I get brought on as an intern and I become a PA, can I become an artist at some point? And they're like, oh yeah, totally. People do that all the time. And I think they're one of the few places mm -hmm. that at least used to, I don't know now, but that would kind of let people carry themselves yeah. to an art position if they could demonstrate the skills. I think that's true because I know that like when I interned at Pixar, it was kind of the same situation because I was a PA over there. And then, you know, when that ended, I talked to a couple of artists like, what should I do? Where should I go? And they're like, you should get experience and then apply again, like, mm -hmm. at, you know, within an art job because they were telling me, you know, it's a little bit easier to go from having experience to go to art rather than going from production to art. And people have done it. Like people have gone from production to art and people have gone to art to production, but you don't really hear about that all that often. Yeah. They tend to be two separate tracks. Yeah, what I picked up is there's the people who get into the big studios right out of college because mm -hmm. they're amazing and the timing works out. Mm -hmm. And then there's the people that kind of work themselves up at, at smaller places and they come, they get into the bigger places maybe 10 years down the line. Yeah. So I was not going to be in that first group. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Most people aren't. Like, I, you know, everyone that I've met, I think I've met maybe maybe three people total that right out of school they got hired somewhere everyone else had either a totally different career or they were working at like starbucks or trader joe you know working all these different jobs maybe doing a couple of internships maybe freelancing and eventually mm -hmm. they went to like this company and then this company and then this company and then like a larger studio yeah and the people that i went to school with who were able to do that a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them are already pretty, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't already, <laughs> I mean, they, like they, have some of those skills. They got much better, but they weren't dealing with the same, like, early struggles that that I probably was mm -hmm. when I started. When it's like, yeah, how do you hold this pencil again? <laughs> how intimidating was that going into the program, learning from like square one and being in classes with other people that already had kind of had a sense of like how to draw and how to do that type of thing. Well, we were all going to get hired at Pixar, so <laughs> not stressful at all. <laughs> I think hopefully most students, when they go into a, a field like that, they're not too realistic because mm -hmm. they, if they were, they'd probably just shut themselves down from the first day. <laughs> so I don't, I don't remember. I mean, it's always in the back of your mind. Yeah. You can't dwell on it. You got to like give yourself a chance at least. And I knew that there was lots of other opportunities. It wasn't just one place. Yeah, that that's kind of how we were. It's, that's, that's so funny. It's like parallel situations. Because I remember just sitting in the lab and we're like, oh yeah, when we're at Pixar together, when we're at DreamWorks, or when we're at Sony or Disney, we're going to go and do this. And it was like, oh yeah, of course we're all going to get hired right out of school. Yeah, Why I, wouldn't we? And then it was, it's like, nah. It was a, when, I was at, when I was at DreamWorks, it was a big wake-up call because the, the newest member of the art team had been there three years oh and i'm like wow so even if you're amazing if the timing isn't there and they're not looking for somebody like you don't have a shot <laughs> like like it's not even enough to be it's not it's not even enough to be good enough it's just the, the timing has to work out they have to be looking things that you don't think about yeah think, sometimes but i think it's always good to just be open to to other things mm -hmm. <laughs>
That's good advice. Now, getting back to Nickelodeon, how did you get your internship at Nick? Was that through school or was that just applying through their site? So, to be honest, I hadn't really watched Nickelodeon oh, really? <laughs> since I was like, I don't know, 10 years old or something. Okay. And back then I remembered Spongebob. In college, it's like, oh, they're still doing Spongebob. <laughs> but um, they visited our school. Like, we had a series of studios come and give a talk. And and they showed a picture of uh, Mighty B. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, wow, they're doing shows like that. I want to work on that. And so I literally applied to just be an intern on that show. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll intern on other shows, too. But, like, that was the, like, the pushing drive of, like, oh, that looks really cool. And they were, they looked at all our stuff and they actually liked my stuff. A lot of the feature places were kind of like, thanks. Oh, <laughs> like, next. So you've applied. That's awesome. All right, bye. <laughs> and at the time I was kind of, the head of the department is brutally honest. And so she was teaching our, our final seminar class. And I would do these, I thought I, thought I was going to be a painter. And I'd do these paintings and she'd just start like, you know, in a kind way, I suppose, oh, yeah. like kind of laughing at them, like, oh, Pat, these are all these mushy paintings. Oh. And I'm like, that's it. I'm like, I'm going to show her. And so I just, for like the next month or two, I just focused on just doing like layouts. And, but in a weird way, I realized I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And then I, I had at least some skill towards mm -hmm. it. And then I had kind of like a quasi layout portfolio. So when Nickelodeon came, it's like, Oh yeah, these are actually decent. Like you should just apply for layout positions. Oh. And that was the that was one of the first studios that came and visited. Uh -huh. That was like, oh yeah, you should apply. Oh, that's great. You're like, hey, boost the ego. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fact that I had interned at DreamWorks, I think, kind of made getting the internship a lot easier. Because mm -hmm. I've heard people who had to apply like two or three different times before finally getting finally getting it at Nick as an intern. Yeah, so you already had Unpaid that intern. Yeah, and so you already, since you had your internship and you had layout ability, yeah. that really helped out. Yeah, all of the intern, at that time, the internships were not art internships at all. But, yeah, the fact that you had prior internship yeah. experience. And you worked at a major, I imagine, too, they saw, oh, he's worked at a major studio. He knows the pipeline. He knows how the studio works. Yeah. He knows how to work. Yeah. You know, they had him be an intern twice. Yeah. So... He knows what he's doing. And that was also a big thing I learned from um, DreamWorks, just seeing the pipeline. Because um, I feel like in college, you read about how the process works for, for a movie. I mean, until, you're, until you really see it hands-on. Because I mean, like even the art of books, they're showing you like the really pretty visual development pieces. Mm -hmm. They're not really showing you the things that necessarily go into really making the the nuts and bolts of the film and so but being in the studio I had access to all the old archives of all the movies so mm -hmm. I could just look there was days I had nothing to do and I would just look through like thousands of, of oh wow of art pages of like here's a leaf <laughs> and so I, I felt like coming to my final year I had a little better sense of what they're really need. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now when you were in school too, did they have you guys do a final project where you had to work with other people? Did you do a final film? They talked about it. It never, it never happened. Oh really? Did anybody do a film through the year? Let's see. I mean the animators did mostly tests. I don't think, oh. 
And they did one of the, actually the heads of the department now, uh, Dave Chai, he would do, over the summer, he would gather a bunch of students and they would do a short film together. But that was, and some of the animation classes we had, like at the end, you'd, you'd try to do like a 30 second thing. But there wasn't, it wasn't like CalArts where mm-hmm. you're working like for a year on, on your film. It was more just, I guess people graduated with their own tests and, or paintings and drawings. And... All right. I'm always just interested in that because everybody goes to, everyone has a different experience depending on what school they went to or if they didn't go to school, they did like an online class or just did it themselves. So yeah. I was just interested in this art education in America and <laughs> what people are actually learning in animation school and are they learning what they need to learn and do they feel equipped to go yeah. forward and do what they need to do? Yeah. I mean, even after graduating, I still felt like I needed a whole new portfolio because because I didn't have the luxury of being able to draw well enough before my final year. Mm Because the final, ideally, you you have all the skills and then that last year you're building a portfolio. Right. But I was still learning up until the last, you know, weeks. And so it looks like it. And you get this, like, mishmash portfolio yeah some really terrible stuff or not much not much of it if you only put in the better stuff Mm -hmm. so i think but i think that's pretty common you almost have to like throw out your portfolio yeah that's how it was for me like i did i remember doing my portfolio and thinking this looks great and then applying to a bunch of places getting not hearing anything and realize okay i need to redo this and then realizing no i don't need to redo it i need to chuck it i need to completely (laughs) get rid of it and just create all new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so that is not unusual. So you, so as an intern, what were some of your duties as an intern over at Nickelodeon? Nickelodeon was mainly the... I was on MyDB, and so they were still drawing a lot of the stuff traditionally. So primarily, I would scan their drawings and put them in the right folder and organize them. That was most of my job. Like oh, wow. there, there actually wasn't a lot to do, which left a lot of time to like to talk to people, to mm-hmm. look through the archives, and I also worked kind of one on one with the head layout artist. Oh, that's show, great. And as uh, Larry Murphy, but um, I learned a lot from him because he'd give me like kind of like fake assignments. He basically gave me the storyboards, mm-hmm. and then I do layouts off of them, and then he'd draw over it, and then. I'd go home and redraw it and then I'd bring it back and mm-hmm. it's back and forth, but I learned a ton from there. That's excellent. Because um, it's such a it's such a great styled show. And I never could grasp style when I was in college. And so like working one on one with him, it finally kinda clicked. Of like What was it about style that you realized, oh, this is how this is? Well, let's see, when I was in college, how they approached style was more like I think they felt like if you learn on your own, you'd learn better. Just magically, just <laughs> pick up style. Like just, just kind of, you know, like you hit your head again against the wall enough times, and something's gonna you're gonna break through, but it's you're gonna understand it better because okay. you because you earned it. Ah. I guess that's that was the philosophy, at least later in the program, and so that's kind of how they approach style, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we'll pick style from this list and make your project look like that. And I would start it, and by the time I finished, it all looked the same. It all looked just like my stuff, my normal, <laughs> my normal stuff. But when I was when I was working with Larry, I was able to kind of pick his brain. Like as he's drawing over my stuff, it's like, 
well, why is my line wrong and your line's correct? Because they're both breaking perspective. Or, and he would actually explain it to me. And I kind of was able to break it down to it's like, oh, okay. And then I started to understand. And then I look at other stylized stuff and it's like, oh, that's what they're doing. And I started to kind of come up with a system where you just go through each element of a piece. How are they handling their perspective? What what rules are they creating visually for the perspective? What about the texture? What about the, what kind of camera shots are they using? You almost just like, you can make a list on each thing. And sometimes I'll do that if, I'm, if it's a new show to try to break down in, in my mind how to approach it. Okay. Until you kind of, it's hardwired. That's a smart way to go about it. Just kind of analyzing what everybody's doing. And, mm -hmm. But I like what you said too about why they're doing it because I think the why part is the part that people miss. They yeah. just look at the end product and go, it just looks great, but they're not thinking about why does it look this way and what's the purpose of it looking this way. Yeah, and, and there was there was something in my class where she could just look at a style and just copy it, and she couldn't explain why or what she did. It was just like I don't know. I just kind of like play with shapes, and there it is. And like, <laughs> I couldn't figure out for the life of me, because it probably comes back to I have a more technical background growing up that I kind of need to like, I need to analyze and understand and break it down. And then I can do it seamlessly because then I can, I have some, a system. Yeah. And I've, I found too that I think it's just some weird intuitive sense. Like some people can just kind of sense how it should be, but you're right. They can't explain it. They just kind of know it for themselves yeah and then other people it's like no i need to actually know why it's yeah. not good enough that i just know that i can do it i need to understand why yeah all the pieces are fitting in yeah exactly oh that's cool so hey so you got a built-in teacher <laughs> at nickelodeon showing you the ropes showing you how everything got to be together so then what happened after that um after that i didn't work in animation for several years oh what were you doing <laughs> so they had some jobs come up, none of them really, really hit. And after a couple months, I got hired by a um, a mobile mobile game or casual game company. So right after graduating, there was a couple months before I got the internship at Nickelodeon because it was a fall internship. And so I right after graduating, I started hitting the. So right after graduating, I started hitting the. The interwebs and getting freelance job. Most were pretty low paying. One of them was <laughs> I think I calculated it, which you should probably never do. When okay. <laughs> you're doing really really low paying stuff. It was like two dollars an hour. Oh ah, like, that's but it, but it was it was something, and they kind of they'd last a couple weeks, and mm -hmm. I do another one, and each one I kind of demand a little more money and got a little more comfortable, and. Then when I interned, I kind of put it on break until towards the end, I started picking up uh, freelance again. But now I had a Nickelodeon internship mm -hmm. on, on my resume, so that definitely helped to think it a little higher quality. And the stuff that I'd been working on with Larry, I was able to able to show. Okay. So that definitely helped too. So the, the quality of freelance got a little better. And I started doing freelance for this company that... Uh, eventually ended up hiring me full-time from home because they're based out of New York. So I was working full-time from home for like two and a half years or wow. more. 
How do you balance your time when you're working from home? You don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, it was a constant struggle of either working too hard or not working enough. So I just kind of, it was ebb and flow. There were definitely times where, I don't know if I did much work in like several weeks. You know, cause like, <laughs> I remember at one point I bought a, a new computer and I was just playing with it and like tweaking it. And I'm like, I'm just not motivated to work. I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. We yeah. have to eventually work because they're but, like waiting for you to turn in your stuff. But then there were other times where I just, I would literally like I had a couch in the office mm -hmm. and I would work. I'd take a nap, i wake up, and I'd keep working, oh. and I would just be up at all hours just trying to get stuff done, and so it's, it's really tough to, to balance your time. Or I, they actually paid for me to take classes. Oh, that's great. And I, during those times, I probably didn't do as much work as I should have, but I, towards the end, I kind of found the best policy was just like... Okay, I'll work on, whenever I wake up, I'll work on work stuff until this time. And then after that, I can do my own stuff. And when you were, because you talked before about, you know, you did freelance and you weren't making too much, but then mm -hmm. after Nickelodeon, you were able to negotiate for more. Did you talk to people about that? How should I negotiate? Like, how did you go about making sure you had good contracts and good rates and finding <laughs> that kind of information? I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> they just, I... It wasn't so much that I was able to negotiate for more, it was that more established projects would come my way. So it went from a programmer who wanted some graphics to a startup that had at least some, some money to work with. And just slowly, and, and then you just ignore the ones where you can tell that it's just amateur stuff. Okay. Slowly, like... Okay. And were you on, like, specialty sites? Like, I know, like, Elance is one of them and stuff like that. Or were you going to specific companies and just seeing, oh, okay, do they need a freelancer? I looked at Elance and I didn't like it. <laughs> Probably because you had to pay, I think, at the time. I found some website called Indie Gamer. I don't know if they're still around. And I was just able to... I found the Whenever I would apply for stuff, I would never hear back. But if I found these forums where they're looking, or, you know, programmers are trying to get met up with artists, stuff like that, I would just post all my stuff and say, this is my situation, give me an email. And I would get flooded with, with stuff. So, but yeah, if I apply for stuff, never. <laughs> That's interesting. So I think the place I ended up working for, they like found me, they found my blog. Oh, really? Online or something. And it was really weird because the piece that they saw that they're like, oh yeah, he could do, because most of my stuff was more kind of like it is now, not mm -hmm. to the same quality, but illustrative or animation backgrounds or striving to be that. But I did this freelance job for basically Facebook or a, a, a Farmville ripoff, like isometric <laughs> and, uh -huh. you know, and they didn't pay me. So oh. I just put up all the artwork on my website because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't sign anything. I'm like, well, if you're not going to pay me, I'm just going to use this did you Did you contact them oh, yeah, they, several times yeah, they and say, like, like, where's my money? They, like, cut off contact. Oh, that's awful. They wouldn't answer their phones and all this kind of stuff. Oh, no. Um, so I put up, I just put up the artwork I did because I thought it was, it was pretty good for what it was. And, but then when they saw that I was putting their stuff up because it was supposed to be a secret, uh -huh. you know, I never signed anything. Uh -huh. Then they quickly contacted me and said, oh, fine, we'll, we'll send you a check. Oh. Just, just take it down. <laughs> oh, my God. But, well, you should pay people. Exactly. You shouldn't just not. Oh, man. But well, in, good for you for posting all of that. It's like, <laughs> well, fine, here. Yeah. 
But in the meantime, of the week or two that it was up, this company saw it. And that was one of the things that they, they liked, I guess. Oh, good. Just on my blog. So, so I, not only I don't know how that, I, don't, I really don't know how that all happened. Not yeah. only did you get paid, but you got a job out of it. Yeah. From somebody and else. They, paid, they paid decent enough to live off of. That's <laughs> so, good. Yeah. So I did that for a couple of years and the whole time I, I knew I wanted to do animation and they, I was pretty upfront with them too. Like mm -hmm. if you want to do animation, kind of doing this in the meantime, but the money was good and it was super flexible so i just couldn't justify like walking away from from the job i basically just waited till they closed down oh they eventually closed mm -hmm. oh man so when they closed it was we just had uh, our daughter emmy and so it was kind of lame because it was well we have a newborn and i have no job oh ah. so that part was kind of <laughs> irksome but I was also kind of happy because it was like, all right, now it's time to really try animation. I've been, been toying with the idea for so long, and I did these internships and, mm -hmm. and never was able to follow through with it. So I gave myself six months to basically live off unemployment. And my wife worked the whole time, too. But okay. just we bought a house a couple of years before that, so we still had a mortgage and... <laughs> If we oh. needed we needed two incomes. Yeah, so it was like do or die time. It's like, yes. all right, if I'm going to do this, now yeah. is the time to do this. Yeah, so I gave myself six months to try to find something that I, I wanted to do as opposed to just more casual game stuff. And I found something. I actually on Indeed or Craigslist or one of those, uh -huh. and it was an Adult Swim pilot, and that was Mr. Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> And that concludes part one of the interview with Pat Marknett. Special thanks to Pat for appearing on the show, and you'll be able to see links to all of his work in the show notes, as well as the website, theanimatedjourney.com. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review in iTunes. All of those reviews help more people to find the show. And thank you so much to everyone who has reviewed the show thus far. You can also support the show by visiting the website, www.theanimatedjourney.com, and clicking on the right-hand side on the Donate button for PayPal. Every little bit helps to come back to the show and helps keep all the lights on and helps keep everything running. Thank you so much to everyone who has donated so far. I really appreciate it. It has helped tremendously with web hosting. I really appreciate all of you out there. And make sure to check out all of our sponsors. On the right-hand column of the website, you will see links to Amazon, your place to go to buy everything online, Audible.com, your place to go to listen to audiobooks. And right now, they're having a promotion where you can get an audiobook of your choice for free. There are thousands of books on Audible that you can choose from, including Your Career in Animation, How to Survive and Thrive by David B. Levy, who was the former president of ASIFA East. It's a really great book. He talks all about having a career in the animation field. You definitely want to check that out. And if you're interested in hosting your very own podcast, make sure to click on the link for a Blueberry website hosting. That is the host that I use, and right now they're offering a one-month free trial if you use the promo code ANIMATED. Every time you visit theanimatedjourney.com and click on our affiliate sponsors on the right-hand side, a little bit of money comes back to the show, and it helps me keep everything up and running. So thank you to everyone who has supported the show. I love it. You guys are awesome. And you can check out other news and other things going on with the show by visiting our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash theanimatedjourney. You can also follow us on Twitter at AnimJourney and follow us on Instagram at AnimJourney. 
And if you're interested in seeing what I've been up to, you can check out my website, www.sketchysoul.com, my Tumblr, www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at SketchySoul, and check out what I've been doing on Instagram, at sketchy underscore soul. For example, this month I have been participating in Mermay, which is the event that animation legend Tom Bancroft has been doing. He actually has a Kickstarter going on right now for a sketchbook that he's doing, so you should definitely check out what he's been up to. And if you really like drawing mermaids, participate in Mermay. It's a lot of fun, so check that out. So thank you everyone for tuning in to this week's episode, and as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody!